Welcome to the Manifest Your Dream Marriage Podcast. I'm Daniela Damsky, Self-Awareness and Relationship Master Coach and the author of The Power of a Growth Mindset, The Journey to Emotional Freedom. I believe that when we become our highest version of ourselves, we become a magnet for love. My goal with this podcast is to inspire you to master your inner world so you can master attracting and maintaining a loving relationship using spiritual and scientific principles. Thanks for joining me today. In today's episode of Manifest Your Dream Marriage Podcast, I have the privilege and honor of interviewing Celia Kibler, family empowerment coach and author of several children's books and the parenting book titled Raising Happy Toddlers, How to Build Great Parenting Skills, and Stop Yelling at Your Kids. We discuss how different parenting styles can lead to relationship problems and what you can do to get on the same parenting page. Thank you for joining me today. All right, so welcome to Manifest Your Dream Marriage podcast. I'm with Celia Kibler today. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Today, I I wanted to talk to you because I had seen an article that you had written in one of your Facebook feeds. I think I saw you. Um, You and I have the same mentor, Steve Sims, right now. And so I happened to see one of your posts and I thought, oh my goodness, I got to speak to this woman because I hear this all the time. So the, the post was about how to stop yelling at your kids for good. And there were um, several items in there. I think there was about six items in there that really resonated well for me personally, because I used to be a yeller. (laughs) I yelled at my daughter. So let's talk about uh, that article a little bit. And um, if, yeah, we could just start there with the article uh, and, and identify some of the things that were in that article, that would be great. Well, thanks, Danielle, for having me. I'm super excited to be here with you and to talk to your audience and your listeners. And yes, and the article was published in Elephant Journal. Um, uh, I think I posted on January 8th. So here we are at the end of January, and I think it's already hit over 38, almost 39,000 reads, 9,000 shares. Stopping yelling at your kids is like, it just hits a nerve for everybody. Everybody's yelled. Even I have yelled at my kids once in a while. <laughs> I raised five kids um, and uh, three of them are my husband's and two of them are mine. And I've been parenting successfully a, par- a blended marriage for a blended family for 25 years now. And, um, and they're all grown up. They're all in their thirties. They, you know, the oldest is 38 years old and they have kids and I have nine grandkids. And we did it mostly for the most part without yelling. I was yelled at as a child and I was determined not to have that be my way of communication when I decide to have children. Um, but there are certain things that you need to put into place to stop yelling at your kids. And it's not an easy change. A lot of, you know, when I talk to parents, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of times, you know, I'll get the response when I ask them, why are you yelling? They'll say, I, I honestly don't know any other way. 
And I think from what you said, Danielle, that's probably how it started out for you. You didn't know any other way. Is it, well, is that actually, right? I, I did know another way because my mom is the nicest human being. She never yelled at me. Um, she's super, super sweet. Um, my stepdad was a yeller. My dad is a frustrated person sometimes, and he would raise his voice, but I didn't live with him. And um, I didn't really get to, a chance to see him yelling very often. So in my life, I would say that my stepdad was the only one that yelled in my family. For me, I became a yeller really because of relationship problems that I was having that I couldn't yell at my spouse and express myself the way that I thought I, you know, I, I really wanted to. Um, and so I took a lot of that frustration out on someone that was not able to tell me, please stop yelling. I mean, don't yell at me. We don't talk like that. I mean, she was between the ages of zero and three, I think around the toddler age when, you know, they don't want to listen, terrible twos, rotten threes. She just was a very defiant kid. And she, it's appeared that she wouldn't listen until I started yelling at her. You know, you could ask her a million times this, you know, do this, do this, do this, get out of the bath, 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 right? It's really like my tipping point. But if I were to really peel away at all the layers, I think a lot of it was just resentment that I was doing all the work parenting and that I couldn't, ex I didn't feel comfortable expressing it to my spouse. So I would just be frustrated and yell at her instead. If I were to peel back the layers. And, and that, you know, and that is a problem. And a lot of parents' irritability comes from somewhere else and they take it out on their kids. I mean, I, I know, I'm sure there are many listeners out there that, you know, if I said, if you had a bad day at the office, do you bring it home? Happens all the time to dads and moms. And then you bring it home and you walk in and maybe your kids are arguing over a truck and you're irritable already and you slam them. You know, you don't try to approach it calmly. You don't think about what you're saying before you do it. And you just go in there and you make matters worse. Um, toddlers are a rough age. That's why I wrote my book, Raising Happy Toddlers, How mm -hmm. to Build Great Parenting Skills and Stop Yelling at Your Kids. Because a lot of it, like you say, Danielle, understanding your relationship with your spouse. And then a lot of it is understanding that creature that you gave birth to and understanding that their brains are severely underdeveloped. The human brain doesn't develop until you're 25 years old. So just imagine what a three-year-old's brain is like. I'll tell you what it's like. It's full of emotions. All the emotions, while you watch your toddler and they go from happy to sad to angry to like crazy to like, you know, they just like flipping switches right through the entire emotion gamut is because that is literally what their brain does. They have no ability to regulate those emotions. They have no clue how to regulate them. So it comes out in various ways. They may hit, they may throw a tantrum, they may yell, they may bite. They, you know, there's all kinds of reactions that their brain does to emotion because they don't have the ability to control that. 
um, you know, they don't have the logic. But the what you brought up in the fact that you tell them and tell them and tell them and then you yell, that is probably the, the most common thing when I say, why do you yell at your kids? And a mom or a dad will say, well, I start out nice and calm and I use my manners and I say, please do this and do this. And then I come back and I'll say, get off my tablet and get off your tablet. We got to have dinner. And then I come back five minutes later and they're still on their tablet. And then I come back five minutes later and they're still on the tablet. And I ask them, ask them. Then I scream and yell and then they come. And so the problem is, Danielle, like I explained in my article, the problem is not the yelling. The problem is not them not doing it. The problem is you keep asking them over and over and over again without any consequence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's like you've trained them to wait until you yell. You've literally trained them. I'll just wait. I got 25 more minutes on this tablet before mom yells at me. So I'll just hang out here because she'll be in the yell eventually. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get the reward in a way that they did that. So your brain then says, okay, maybe let's just hypothetically say that you would ask four or five times and then yell. And over time, you realize that the only way for them to do what you want is that you yell. So you, instead of waiting until the fifth time to yell, you might wait till the third time, then the second time, and then the first time. So when I was, I was, um, I started to stop yelling. So I used a, a method to stop yelling. And I would do the one, two, three, and I would just stick my one finger up. And then I would do this. I wouldn't even say anything. And then I'm like, by three, you're getting your stuffed animal taken away, right? So I found myself so addicted to yelling that I would yell on like, one and a half, right? <laughs> I wouldn't even get to three in the beginning. I was, I was struggling to learn myself how to, to stop, to break the habit of yelling, like immediately, you know, like I, I mean, she trained me that she would only do what I wanted her to do when I yelled. So I'm going to yell quicker now. And so then I became the person that was yelling a lot. So what would have fixed that is when there's a problem, like I mentioned tablets and tablets are so easy because they're so common now and they're such a source of aggravation for parents. So if your child is on the tablet and you want that tablet put down and come and it's time for dinner, you can say when they start the tablet, dinner will be ready in like a half hour and then you're gonna have to put it down and come to dinner. And then it comes time for them to put that tablet down. Now, what you can say to them is if you don't put it down when it's time for dinner in a half hour, I will take that tablet from you. So you can either put it down yourself or it's mine. Mm -hmm. And now that doesn't mean it's mine for the rest of their lives. I mean, you know, consequence needs to relate, needs to be reasonable. It's mine for 24 hours. Right. So right. when you go to that child and you say, okay, honey, dinner time, put the tablet down, come on in and eat. I'm going back in the kitchen, setting the table, whatever. And then they don't come. You walk up to them and you take the tablet and it's gone, done. Mm -hmm. now you have to, no yelling. You just did it. I like to call it one and done. 
And in, I would say, a couple days when they get that tablet back and they do it again and you take the tablet, another day you do it again, they take the tablet. By the fourth day, they have figured it out that they're not <laughs> getting this tablet if they don't put it down and they'll start putting it down. Yeah. And we'll solve that issue of asking, but there has to be that consistency for everything. You know, you have yeah. to be consistent for everything. Can't yeah, so one of the things you talked about in the article was consist cons consequences, good and bad, consistency, and then also the family meeting. So it's not like you can just go up to them and just take it away without having this meeting, talking about consequences, talking about here are the rules of the house, here are the consequences. When you do something good, here's the rewards, right? You can't just spring this on them and expect right. to, exactly. to get it, right? You have to give them a heads up. So, you know, you have trained them to wait till you yell and then they're going to listen to you. So they're on the video games and they're playing and you come up and say, time for a bath, whatever it is. And they know in their head, well, I've got a good 15, 20 more minutes on this video game before she yells. So I'm, I'm playing, I'm finishing this round. You have to give them a heads up when you make the change, because if you just be like, if you're just like, okay, you're not listening to me, boom, video game gets unplugged. they will be like, what the heck? You have to give them they, their ability to make a choice. Consequences are put into place not to punish, but to teach. The whole idea of a consequence is to teach them to make better choices. We all have choices in life and we make decisions, good or bad. And those good or bad decisions lead to something else, good or bad. And we learn to do different things in our life based on decisions we made and the consequences that happened. So that's what you're trying to teach your child. And, you know, and, and it relates to anything. I've had a lot of comments in the article. This relates to the workplace. It relates to anything. Mm -hmm. It doesn't relate just to children. It relates to any kind of communication. So, and you have to be consistent. And if you start having family meetings, those are meetings where you can discuss this stuff in a relaxed, you know, calm, uh, situation <laughs> and yeah. you ask your children for their opinions you ask for their help in solving yeah. the problem one of the things that i when i was reading your website um you had a few things on on there communication respect trust consistency and understanding your child and we talked about consistency the the understanding your child i think is so important because one, you just said at three years old, they're all emotions. And truthfully, I never picked up on that until this conversation that you and I are having, because I didn't understand the brain of a three-year-old or brain of a two-year-old or brain of a one-year-old. And at each stage, right? Now I have teenagers now and I tell my husband um, that they're still teenagers. Their brain hasn't quite, even though we have these expectations of them, their brain hasn't fully developed enough to understand what that means. And they're still doing their own thing. 
So expecting them to be as intelligent as a 52-year-old man is not reasonable. They don't have the history and the knowledge. So when you understand your child and the, the, what their brain is capable of, I think you have more empathy for the tantrums and the, the, you know, the outbursts because you just kind of look at them like, oh, poor thing, like, gosh, you know, <laughs> almost <laughs> more, well, exactly. more than mean, being upset with them for being three. Right? right. You understand them better. I, you know, and that's why I do brain coaching along with my, that's why I call myself a family empowerment coach because so much goes into, I'm not just a parenting coach. There's so much that goes into, you know, a successful family, but understanding your child, you know, you have a teenager, you know, an important thing to know when a child becomes a teenager is that their brain starts featuring three things. This is how their brain is wired. This is not what they're like, well, now I'm a teenager, I'm gonna be like, you know, a crazy person. Their brain's actually wired for risk, to take yeah. more risk. Their brain is wired to hang out with their friends, not you. Mm -hmm. Their brain is wired to belong. And that's a huge thing to remember as a teenager, because if that teenager doesn't feel like they belong in your home, that they're being respected and they're given the opportunity to speak and be heard, they're going to find somewhere to belong and it's probably not going to be good. So those are three things about teenagers and their brain that they need to do. And if you're expecting your child to answer you like an adult, like you said, it's not just not reasonable, it's impossible. There is right. no way a child can respond to you like an adult. It's impossible. I totally agree. Totally agree. And I love the respect thing. Okay, so I have a lot of couples that come to me. And like you had mentioned in the conversation we had before we started the podcast about men and women have different ways, perhaps they grew up in different homes with different parenting styles. So they're carrying their own parenting styles. And also I, I don't wanna act like my parents. So they got their own spice to the mix here. Or you have a blended family. I see men and women sometimes parenting different, but I believe that it does stem from an inner feeling that they're looking for. So for example, respect. Respect to men is really important. And if a child is disrespecting them, I see this a lot, a husband feeling disrespected by their his, his kids. And that's a really strong, strong feeling that they're trying to overcome. And so they're yelling and they're, I'm going to be the man, right? I'm going to be the one. So do you see that a lot where there's men are looking more for respect and I'm not certain what women are looking, <laughs> looking for, but I got the male figured out too. But I think for the most part, and of course, not always, I can't really generalize. I mean, a lot of women take on the men role and there are a lot of single moms that have to play both roles and single dads that have to play both roles. But the thing with respect is that people think that because you are the parent, 
that child has to respect you. And I'm sorry, but respect is a two-way street. And if you don't respect that child, there is no reason in the world that they have to respect you. You are their role model. You are the one showing them how to behave. Your actions talk so much louder than your words talk. They are going to see what you do and do what you do, not necessarily what you say. So if you are talking to your spouse and you're cursing at them and you're calling them names and you're degrading them, that's what you're teaching your kids. They're mm -hmm. going to communicate that way. You know, I, I've been married to two men and my husband now, I've been married to him for 25 years. My husband before was 15, 16 years, I don't know, I lose track. But never in that time, and I'm not saying this to like, be like, I'm so perfect because believe me, I'm not. But even through a divorce, never did we call names. Never did we cuss at each other. I mean, I don't cuss anyway. Honestly, if I cuss, my kids, if they hear me cuss, they text each other. And I'm always like, <laughs> you don't have to text your brother. Cause I go, oh yes, I do mom. Yes, I do have to text them. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't cuss anyway. And you know, they make fun of me, but that's all right. And um, it's just, it's because I respect them. Yes, I mm -hmm. no longer wanted to be married to my first husband. It didn't mean I didn't respect him. And there are a lot of things that happen that, you know, causes people to, you know, be disrespectful to their spouse because usually they've been disrespectful. So it causes, you know, that clash, as you know, and you're the expert of. But um, it goes for your kids too. So if you speak to them disrespectfully, they will speak to you disrespectfully back. You know, if you let them get away with being disrespectful to you or being disrespectful to their siblings, they are going to be disrespectful to other people. Why not? They got permission. And the family meeting, what you spoke about, what I teach about and coach about is very important in building respect for everyone. I can't tell you how many clients I have that at the end of our journey together, they have formed a much better bond between each other, not just mm -hmm. them and their children. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I think it's, it's ideal if the two of you can agree on parenting styles or rules, at, at the minimum, the rules and the consequences in your home. And, and perhaps if you can get on the same page of how you execute that, that's even better. But sometimes you're dealing with, um, like you said, you have a stepchild and they have a, yeah, obviously they have a different mother, different father, and they have different rules at their house. What I have found just with my own kids is that they can go to my dad's house. My, my daughter was spent a lot of time with my dad and my stepmom and my parents are very clean like super, super, super clean. My ex-husband is not as clean and I'm probably in the middle between clean and not as clean. What is very interesting is that my daughter, when she goes to my dad's house, her grandpa's house, will pick up all of her mess and put her shoes right where they're supposed to go and follow all the cleanliness rules that my dad has. 
At my house, it's the same. At her dad's house, she can be a complete mess if she wanted to. It's funny that kids will pick up on the rules of the house and obey them as long as they understand what they are, I think, and the expectations of what each house is. I mean, my dad's house, there's no way you're going to drop your, your gum wrapper anywhere. It's, it's going in the trash. <laughs> End of story. It's just because the house looks so clean, right? Exactly. So it's like this expectations in the environment that you're in. So wherever the kid is at, even though they have a different parent, they can come into your home. I feel like they can come into your home and still follow your rules and understand your expectations because they're not dummies, you know. Right. And you have, human you beings. have the boundaries and the limits set in place of your home. And this is what I expect. My stepchildren will come to our house for the weekend. We use our manners. We're kind. We're respectful. We have fun. We laugh a lot. They that was different from their mother's house. And on Sunday, they would go home. And by Friday, we'd have to relearn the whole thing and remind them, but they were quick to get it because even though they've been living under her chaotic mm -hmm. atmosphere mm -hmm. for a week, they knew when they came back into this house, that wasn't how things were done. And you can't worry if you're in a blended family or, you know, um, you know, when your kids are going to two different places, you need to focus on your home, your family, your environment, create your vision for your family and your expectations, because you don't have any control about that other house. Mm -hmm. You need to plant these things in your children that you hope they take with them when they're at someone else's house. Mm -hmm. You know, if you teach respect for furniture at your home, they're not going to go to a friend's house and jump on the furniture. It probably won't even occur to them. And if their friend is doing it, they're going to be like, why are you jumping on the furniture? And they're like, because we can. So come join me, you know, mm -hmm. and, but you want to instill those qualities in your child that they can take with them, regardless of where they are, you know, and what's going on. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. So how would a couple start the conversation about getting on the same page without hurting the other person's feelings? Because you got to understand, right, that that's they're taking their parents and they, of course, think that their parenting style is absolutely the best. I mean, of course, I'll think that our stuff is the best. So how would you recommend someone that is in a situation where their partner they think that their parenting is better than your parenting. How would you get on the same page to then get your kids on the same page? So this is what I recommend to my clients. When you have two parenting styles and you are the one trying to make the life better for everyone, sometimes doing is much better than talking about it. And you have... Um, someone who, you know, if you bring up the fact that, honey, I really think we need to like kind of get to the same page because I don't think your yelling is doing any good. They may take insult to that, even though you mean it in the best of ways. So I encourage parents 
that are the ones that want to create a calmer atmosphere, want to create a calmer, more cooperative, peaceful home, that you start doing it. You learn how to do it. You work with someone like me or someone like you, and you learn how to do it because the other people in your home, be it a spouse or maybe sometimes it's a parent that is, you know, parenting your child, they're the grandma, so they're going to give them everything they want, whatever, <laughs> so that those people actually start seeing a difference because they will. They will mm -hmm. see a difference. And then they'll be like, wow, what's going on with the kids? They're like incredible. You know, I, I've had clients where the dad lived in the home, the dad of the mom, you know, the, the da daughter dad. The, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> the grandfather lived in the home. And he she started working with me and we introduced the family meeting and he wanted in his words, quote unquote, no part of that mumbo jumbo. So, so I told her, just start having these meetings. Do not worry about your father. And she started and, you know, two months into us working together, there was, it was like a new family. It was mm -hmm. like a total change. Yeah. And, you know, I work with initially with people for 90 days. But after even just a couple of weeks, there was enough of a change that that dad came to his daughter and said, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm on board with it. And I would love to be at the next meeting. Nice. Because sometimes nice. seeing the change is what convinces the people that are not willing to change. And you do it without hurting them or insulting them. They just all of a sudden notice something changed. What is it? And they want to know. Mm -hmm. And they're happy. I mean, nobody that yells a lot likes yelling. They all feel guilty. My dad, he passed away in April. He was 92 years old. And even in those later years, he talked about how he felt terrible that he did so much yelling when we were kids. Yes. I, uh, part of the reason why I do what I do is <laughs> because of guilt. <laughs> Because honestly, I did feel guilty for yelling at her and taking things out on her when I should have had more emotional intelligence and self-awareness to understand what really was going on internally with me that I wasn't bringing to the surface like I should have. And so that went on for a long time until I did some, some inner child healing, which is what I teach a lot of my clients is how to do that. I held on to guilt, I want to say, five, six years after my divorce. I mean, it was really a long time and it was, oh, it was awful to hold on to that guilt. And once I released that guilt and I no longer had it, like, I don't, I don't feel bad about it anymore. I mean, I can't do anything about it, but I don't have, I don't wake up crying. I don't wake up, you know, feeling the feelings of that I used to feel like, oh, such a bad mother, the things I used to save to myself. Um, I was not very kind to myself. So I really appreciate you bringing this to, to light for us. And um, how could someone who is working on their marriage and then they, they get that fixed out, fixed and, and everything's good, how could they then um, help with their parenting 
how, how could they reach you, work with you, learn more about you? Because I think that that would be the next step is once you understand you, get to understand why are you behaving the way that you're behaving? Is it that you don't understand your children or is it that you don't understand you? And then let's just say you just need, you just need to learn how to be a better parent because you have had uh, perhaps bad examples or your children are training you to <laughs> yell at them. So how, how could they work with you or how could they get in touch with you to learn more? Well, I appreciate that opportunity and I'd love to talk to anyone. Um, I do offer a free hour call with me. We talk about what's going on specifically with you. If you go to talkwithcelia.com, you will reach my calendar. It does give you questions to answer, but that's so that we don't spend the whole conversation talking background. You know, give me a little idea of what's going on so that we can actually start talking strategy. Um, being a good parent is something learned. It's not, you know, the reason I wrote my book, Raising Happy Toddlers, is because everybody goes, kids don't come with a manual. So I wrote the manual. And <laughs> it is written like a manual. You can look up something and there's your answer, you know. Um, but I, I love working with parents. I love their success. I have a 90-day program that we can work one-on-one -on -one with, or you can go into my group program and um, really, you know, reach out because it's, it's around the corner. Your, your family harmony is around the corner. And if you don't do it now, if you just keep putting it off, what's, what's the next six months going to be like? What's the next six years going to be like? It will only get worse. And if you have siblings, then everything that's going on with that older child is teaching the next one to behave that way. And it's not going to get better. And you have to just decide, you know what? I'm making the change. This is going to change because in just a little amount of time, you will change the future of everyone in your family. And you'll be so grateful that you did. So yeah. um, my website is pumpedupparenting.com. You can find a lot about of my course offerings. I have online courses. I have bundles. Um, so there's a lot of ways to learn about me. I have the Pumped Up Parenting podcast, which I hope, Danielle, you are going to be on soon. And um, <clears throat> there's a lot of ways. To and then you have a Facebook group, right? Facebook oh. group, Pumped Up Parenting. So <laughs> yes. So I'm going to definitely be sending people your way because I have people that I know the next logical step is to work with you. Thank you. Thank you, Danielle. And I will refer you as well. Yeah. Uh, because it's so important to build the quality of your relationship with your partner because everything you do in that relationship teaches your children how to have a relationship with someone else, good or bad. So when they start the time to have a relationship, even the relationship within the family, they're going to mimic what they learned from you. So, you know, absolutely. Really, absolutely. It's so important. It's so worth it. it. Thank you so much. Yeah, it is worth it. It is. I You're, appreciate you know, it. You can be happy. You can enjoy life. You can be glad to wake up every day and not dread it. You know, we're only well, here. As I get older, time. I realize that time goes by so fast. So fast. That 14 and a 16 year old, and it's like, Wow, where did that time go? So it's 
you might think that investing in a 90 day program seems like a lot of work or a lot of time, but if you can transform the way that you behave with your children in 90 days so that the rest of their short little time with you is awesome, then it's worth every penny that you've spent or you know time that you spent doing the work and right. energy. So exactly. again, thank you My so much. Is because we're raising adults, not children. So that's what we're doing. We are raising adults. We are literally creating the next generation. Absolutely. And what you feed them is the kind of adult they'll come out to be. So thank you, Danielle, for having me. Yeah, you're welcome.